please stand for the reading of Scripture. Last week, Alex started us off and introduced us to Athanasius and the theme, explaining that with the fall, mankind, that is Adam and Eve, chose to exchange what was eternal for the corruption of sin. And for this reason, the incarnation had to happen. For this reason, the people of God throughout the ages of the Old Testament looked forward to the coming, that is the advent of Messiah. And for this reason, still, we look forward to his coming again. But as Athanasius explains in his little book on the incarnation, there's more that made the incarnation necessary. And a few verses in Hebrews chapter 2 point us in that direction. So will you follow along and respond in the bold parts to read along with me? Since the children have flesh and blood, Jesus too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy death, the one who, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Amen. And you can be seated. Consider with me these words of Athanasius. <clears throat> a king who has founded a city so far from neglecting that city when through the carelessness of the inhabitants it is attacked by robbers, instead avenges it and saves it from destruction, having regard rather to his own honor than to the people's neglect. In other words, if the king were to found a city and his people living in that city carelessly allowed for robbers to attack the city, the king would not neglect the city and leave it for destruction. Rather, he would come and he would avenge the city against those robbers. He would save that city from destruction. And why would he do that? Because he has more regard for his own honor than he does concern for the neglect and the carelessness of the people who live there. So it is that Athanasius describes the necessity of, of the incarnation. Because a king would do such a thing as this, the eternal Son of God took on flesh. So when we are wronged by someone or offended or we observe that someone has done something that they ought not to do, oftentimes we will respond with, you know, maybe some of these thoughts or even words, we might, we might say, well, I'll show them. Or we might say of, uh, to them directly, we might say, I told you so. You ever done that? Or we might say of them, well, he made his bed, now he's got to sleep in it. Those are all our inclinations. We, we kind of default to say those things when we see such a situation. And in defaulting to those things, we actually show our vindictive fallen nature. 
And, you know, we actually reflect that and show that in our Santa Claus tradition, too. Do you know this? He knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good, so be good, for goodness sake. I mean, why would you be good? Because you know that if you're nice, you'll receive gifts, but you know that if you're naughty, you'll receive a lump of coal, right? Now, for you kids who are anticipating the the bearded man in the red robe coming to visit you, perhaps, know this. If God were merely like Santa Claus, then the wise men would never have seen the star. If God were merely like Santa Claus, then the heavenly host would have had no occasion to sing. If God were merely like Santa Claus, then Jesus would have never been born. Seeing that the inhabitants of his creation, of his city, through their carelessness had given in to that robber Satan's attack, and exchanging the truth for a lie, being now given up to corruption and death, God seeing that these things had happened, God could have said, we might suggest, I told you so. I mean, after all, he had told them so, right? Or, you know, he could have said to Adam and Eve, hey, you've made your bed, now you've got to sleep in it. He might have said those things to him. He could have just left them to the consequences of their disobedience. Or could he? This is, I think, where we see the the holiness of God, that God is altogether distinct from us. We might have chosen one of those options. But could God choose one of those options? This is what Athanasius wants us to consider as he writes on the Incarnation. I'm not a Star Trek fan, a Trekkie as they call themselves, and maybe you are. Um, I'm not necessarily a fan of Star Trek, and I don't follow it closely, but I do know that there's a classic episode with a scene in which Captain Kirk becomes the legendary Captain Kirk. It's a, a military training sequence, and he's presented with a simulated battle situation And that situation presents to him two options. Option one involves the almost inevitable destruction of an ally ship and all of its crew. Option two entails the likely destruction of his own ship and his crew. It's a no-win situation, we would call it. But, of course, Captain Kirk inexplicably reprograms the scenario so that everyone survives and no one is lost, and thus he becomes the legendary Captain Kirk, as I understand it, even with the legendary words, I don't believe in no-win situations. Now, would that we all could be so optimistic. I mean, we desire to be, for sure, because we long to be what only God can be. The circumstances of the fall of Adam and Eve do actually seem to create what we would call a no-win situation. Because on the one hand, God had said, in the day that you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. He had said that. And they did eat. 
And at that point, God could not go back on his word. I mean, God couldn't at that point simply say, oh, devil, you devil, you got me. But I'm going to fix it. I'm going to go back and reprogram the scenario and reset the rules and get myself ungot. Devil, you got me, but I'm going to get myself ungot. For God to do that would have been to concede. For God to do that would be for him to be no God at all. God could not do that because that would have been defeat. So that's on the one hand. On the other hand, if he simply refused option number one and allowed for death to begin to prevail and to continue to prevail to its end, wow, what a tragedy. What a tragedy that the bearers of the very image of God should perish forever. What a tragedy that God's good work in reaching the pinnacle of creation should go all for nothing. What a tragedy that death should be allowed to have its way in the end. Option two would simply be defeat. Option one is defeat. Option two is defeat. It's a no-win situation. Or is it? Maybe there's another way. Maybe there's another option on the table that we should consider. And it's a way that we presume, I think, all too easily in our dealings with each other. And it's the way of repentance. What if mankind could just collectively, and even sincerely, it would have to be sincere, sincere what, what if mankind could collectively simply say to God, God, we are so sorry. God, please forgive us. Now that is, of course, entirely biblical. And it's entirely necessary. In fact, we do it every time we in our liturgy confess our sins together before God. And if you have not said those things to God in your heart of hearts, then you must do it. But even that would not overcome the defeat. Why not? Repentance is a turning. As we talk about occasionally, repentance is a turning from temptation and a turning from your idols. It's a turning from your sin and to God in faith. And you must repent. Make no confusion about it. You must repent. But even such turning from and turning to in faith does not do away with what is now on the path behind you. The damage and the corruption of your sin. Repentance may be the cessation of transgression, but it is not the healing of corruption. Repentance might terminate the harmful activity, but it doesn't undo the harm. So here's a, a, a truth that we've talked about before as well. Um, Without exception, when one person wrongs another person, somebody must pay a price for it. It's inevitable, without exception. When someone wrongs another person, someone must pay a price for it. The one who has been wronged might pay the price by absorbing the wrong. Or the one who is guilty of the wrong might pay the price by acknowledging their wrong and and confessing it. Either way, it's unavoidable. But if you've sinned against somebody, whether by ignorance or by self-righteousness, 
in your denial, you refuse to acknowledge it, then you leave them to bear the suffering. Or if you have sinned against somebody and you, by the work of the Holy Spirit, actually accept responsibility for what you've done, then you suffer for it. But even then, those wounds don't just disappear. The damage and the corruption of your sin remain. And so it's a dilemma. What does God do? Well, he sends an ambassador. He sends an ambassador. Athanasius explains it like this. He says, for this purpose then, the incorporeal, that just means without body, the incorporeal and incorruptible and immaterial word of God, the eternal second person of the Trinity, entered into our world. Now, before the incarnation, Jesus was not far from creation. Paul, of course, wrote to the Colossians to explain it like this. He said, Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In other words, Jesus was not far from creation, but our dilemma required that he do something altogether unique. Become as one of us. Death was required to fulfill justice so that God might remain God. And yet the one who alone was qualified to stand before God was also one who was incapable of death. And so he, the creator, knit together in the womb of the virgin a body for himself, a body made of flesh and blood, Hebrews 2, a body by which he would share in our humanity, Hebrews 2, a body that required water and food to sustain it, a body that could feel the sting of physical pain, a body that could know the emotional crush of sadness, a body with the capacity to experience grief in this fallen world. He was, in other words, made like us in every way, Hebrews 2, but he remained God. And that's a big but. He remained God. And so unlike us in this, by his righteousness, he alone could satisfy the otherwise insatiable appetite of death. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So by his death and resurrection, he destroyed the one who has the power of death, Hebrews 2, and so freed us from our fear of it. The Son of God had to become man because the Son of God had to die so that you and I, by faith in him, could live. A king who has founded a city so far from neglecting that city when through the carelessness of its inhabitants it's attacked by robbers instead avenges it and saves it from destruction, having regard rather to his own honor 
band for the people's neglect. The honor of God is our highest need. The justice of God is an unavoidable requirement. And the mercy of God in the incarnation of Jesus Christ is the greatest gift. The human dilemma is not a no-win situation. Thanks to Advent and the coming of Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you that you have indeed sent your son, that you have taken on flesh to become as we are, to take on a body as our bodies are, to live in the righteousness in which you alone can live, and to die the death that only we deserve, so that we by faith in you might have life. Father, we pray that you would move our hearts to believe this and help us to look forward in great anticipation of your coming again, as you have come once and you will come again to finish your work and to bring the new heavens and the, the new earth. And this we look forward to in the name of Jesus. Amen. We stand and sing.